Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Very excited about the message this morning. If you will bear with me, I'm going to read quite a few verses. I don't like to do that, but I just couldn't find any part of the story to leave out. So um, uh, if, you, if you're able, if you're not able, please uh, remain seated. But if you're physically able, if you could stand and honor God's word, uh, we would appreciate that. First uh, Samuel chapter 15, just going to start reading on verse number one. <clears throat> Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telema, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go depart you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye shewed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Habeth until thou comest to Shur, that is, over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed the people, all the people, with the edge of the sword. And Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and the fatling and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. It grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he has set up a place, and is gone about, and is passed on, and gone down to Gilgal." And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou, Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the ox which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the ox, and sacrificed unto the Lord. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said unto me this night. And he, and he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, what thou, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord set thee 
on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Let us pray. Lord, our heart is rejoicing this morning. Just so thankful, Father, for our church. So thankful, Father, for um, all that you are doing and have done, Lord. We're, we're excited, Lord, that revival has come. And Lord, we want our hearts to be ready. And so this morning, I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak to the hearts of the congregation. And Lord, I pray that we would all uh, surrender our hearts up this morning to be Used by you, I pray in Jesus' name, and amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so I named the message this morning, Reoccurring Payments. Just real quickly, let me give you a thought. How many of you know, um, especially if you're maybe a little bit younger, but how exciting it is to go and, and look at a, at a new vehicle, Right? A nice new truck, uh, uh, you know, something, maybe a boat, a camp, or whatever it is. You go look at that and you think, man, that, that your blood gets to pumping and that excitement comes and, and everything is just, it's exciting, right? You guys with me? And, and you, you work out a de- deal and you negotiate it and you think, man, I can take this home and I'm going to have so, it's going to be so great. And then a payment comes. And it's, it's not as much fun as you thought. But then another payment comes, and then another payment comes, and you open up this book, and there's 72 of them things in there. <laughs> and you think, every month this is coming back on me. And all of a sudden you think, I wish I could just get out from under this and not have that reoccurring payment. Anybody with me? All right? I want to offer that to you this morning we want to get away from that reoccurring payment. Anybody on that same note, anybody have, know that feeling when you say, I've got enough money, I'm going to pay the thing off, and it's not coming back. Isn't that a good feeling? Write that check, and you know that and there's no more payments. I'm clean and clear. So I want to look at this message this morning, if you'll hold that thought kind of in the back of your mind. I read a book while I was gone by John MacArthur. It kind of got me thinking along the lines of this uh, uh, thing. And I want to kind of share with you where I think we are as a church. We mentioned earlier that if you look around at our physical building, the the sanctuary here, the church house, the, the fellowship hall, it looks a lot different because we've made a lot of improvements. But can I get an amen this morning that if you look around at the spiritual health of our congregation, it has drastically changed. We are not the same. I I dare say Brother Sonny has not been here since 2019. I dare say he's coming to a completely different congregation than he was at before. We have drastically changed, and and we've learned a lot, and we've moved up, and we've grown a lot, and a lot of things are happening. Uh, But how many of you want to be ready for revival? How many of you want to to really be able to be ready for revival, for God to be able to do tremendous things in this revival? And, And here is my thought for the morning. We can make a lot of progress and leave something out that needs done. 
See, I think I'm looking at primarily, uh, as, I, as I look across this congregation, I think I'm looking at people who have made drastic changes. in their, There are very few people who go to this church who have not made drastic changes spiritually in their life. They've grown closer to God. They've quit sinning. They have, they have went uh, uh, leaps and bounds ahead for the Lord. We, we are a moving congregation that has done great things spiritually. But here's the thing. You can do a lot of really good things and not do it all. And then there's a reoccurring payment that comes with that. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So this is a familiar scripture, uh, um, and, and, and it's, a, it's a very interesting story. Um, and, and before I forget to say this, because uh, I may say this later, or I might forget to say this later, but let me just toss this in now. We've talked many, many times. There will never come a time when we will be sinless. Amen? Can you get an Amen. They'll never be, a, well, we're never going to arrive at that point. You see, listen, this may say, well, Pastor, we can never be sinning. Well, we, we'll never be a point where we're not sinning, where you can say, there's no sin in my life. That, that we don't believe is, is attainable. But here's what we can do. Today, I can do the very best with what God has given me. Now, tomorrow he might reveal to me where I really messed up and I got to start off. And that's kind of the way it works. But there is such a thing as living in the center of God's will. There is such a thing as I am doing what I know to do today. That doesn't mean you can't look at me and find fault. That means that I'm doing everything I know God wants me to do right now. But what if you miss it by just a little bit? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So let's just let's just dive into this story, see if we can see if we can learn anything. I, I won't take you through the entire journey of the Old Testament, but the story of Amalek is actually a very interesting story. And, and boy, we could just preach for weeks and weeks on it. Uh, but to try to just get us to the to the to the meat of the matter, Amalek was a grandson to Esau. Okay, Jacob and Esau, and Esau's son had Amalek by a concubine, by the way. But here's what a lot of Bible readers maybe don't haven't quite put two and two together yet. How many of you know that a lot of the enemies of Israel were cousins? <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> I mean, the Moabites and the Amaleks and, and all these, all these different, you hear these things, there's an enemy of Israel. What you don't realize, they're also sons of Abraham, just not through the right line, right? So, so this, was a, this was a cousin, if you will. Uh, but these Amalekites, they caused great harm in, for Israel. And, and Joshua, Josh mentioned this, uh, our Josh mentioned this uh, this morning in Sunday school. But when Joshua and, and Moses came out of Egypt, the first ones to attack them were the Amalekites. And it says in, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, it says one of the books there that, that, that they, they waited for them and came in behind them and got those that were tired and weary. They, they sucker punched them, right? And, and so this is when Joshua, uh, uh, or when Joshua goes down into the valley to fight the Amalekites and Moses goes up on the mountain and, and Aaron and her hold his hands up. As long as he holds his hands up, they're winning. Here's what you need to know. The, in the Bible, the Amalekites represent our flesh, right? They represent our flesh. And 
Let, let's just read just a couple of uh, verses. I want to read these backwards, Josh. I hope I don't mess you up. But I want to read, I want to read uh, Exodus uh, 17. I want to read 16 first, and then I want to read 14. But and there's so much that we could we could try to draw the picture of the Malachites. I hope this real quick thumbnail sketch will, will give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. But in verse 16, Exodus 17, verse 16, uh, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. You know what he's saying? Battle's never going to end. Just continually. Just you win, you go on, you fight him again, you fight him again, you fight him again, you fight him again. Can I, is anybody here that can help me out? Is that how the flesh is? It's just a continual battle. I mean, you fight it today, guess what you got to do? You got to fight it tomorrow. And then you got to fight it again. And you got to fight it again. And so there's just a continual battle. It just keeps coming back. And you can read through all the Bible and you can, you can read through it and just over and over and over again. Um, Amalek just kept getting their nose in there and fighting with Israel. And then God said in verse 14, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out of remembrance Amalek from under heaven. Now this is, uh, this is in multiple places in the Bible. God made it very clear, I want Amalek completely wiped out. I, I mean completely wiped out. Now, I'm not going to get into the discussion. It's a whole other subject. But some people may read this and they may say, well, why does it say to kill the, the women and the infants? and, 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 and every, Why is it, why you got to kill the sheep? Why you got to kill everything? And that's a subject for another day. We're not going to address that day. But let me just say this here. We're talking about the spiritual uh, uh, picture we see here. And God said, everything from Amalek must go. Everything. He, is it not clear his instructions in verse 3? Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare not. Utterly destroy everything. So as we look at, uh, uh, as we look at the, the point number one, the rule, the rule that God gave was destroy everything. Nothing is left. Every animal, every person, nothing shall be left. Here's the thing, guys. Here's what I want you guys to get. In this command, there's only one option for obedience. If he killed, I want you to get this. I want you to, if Sam, if, if Saul went out and he killed everything there except for one sheep, he disobeyed God. Because God didn't say destroy most of it. He said destroy it all. And that was the clear rule that God gave See, here's what God knew. Here's what God knew. You can never trust the Amalekites. Uh, just think about that. If we're saying that the Amalekites are a picture of our flesh, God is saying, can't trust them. If you leave one thing breathing, it's going to be a problem for you. Are you guys following this? If there's one thing in your flesh, you good Sandhill people who have done so much to put sin away out of your life and you've done so much to overcome it and you've done so much to get close to God, if you leave one part of your flesh alive, it's going to come back. It's going to come back and get you. And that's what God knew. Either do away with them or you're living in disobedience. So that was a clear rule that God had passed <clears throat> 
God knew that peace would never come if the Amalekites survived. So let's now look at the rationale. So this, this command from Samuel was very, very clear. You have to kill all of the Amalekites, uh, leave nothing alive, have no mercy, kill everything that is there. Saul goes out. And so I want you to imagine this, if you guys work with me here, I want you to imagine you're here on Sunday morning and the preacher preaches on sin and you go out of here and you listen to the preacher and you do what the preacher says. And you get rid of most of the things in your life that God's not pleased with. Are you guys seeing the picture I'm trying to draw? That's where we are, I think. See, I think Saul goes out, and you just about can read it in the, in, in the description here. I think Saul goes out, he's got his orders from the Lord. Uh, Moses, or Samuel has told him what to do. He's got his shoulders reared back. He said, I am a man of God. I am a warrior of God. I am the king of Israel. We're going out, and we're going to do what God says. Amen? And we're going to kill the Amalekites. Amen? Because that's what God said to do. And we're being obedient. And he goes and he takes this great battle and he kills all these people. But he saves some. And it's, it's almost, it's comical almost. Saul is really, I, I did it good. I, I did good. I mean, just like God said, I killed the Amalekites. I don't know if you guys are following this. looks on your faces, you're not. Listen, we often leave church and we think, I obeyed. I made changes in my life. I corrected a bunch of things. I'm doing really good. I'm way better than I used to be. And what that preacher told me, I'm doing it. Mostly. Everything he commanded, I just about did it. And God said, there's still something there that's going to come back and get you. Right? So the rationale... The rationale. Saul said, listen, Samuel, we destroyed most of them. We, we destroyed most, most of them. I mean, you should be happy. They were the enemy. We destroyed most of them. I think if we could, if you would allow me this, this, uh, this, uh, this illustration, I think if we could look at your, your flesh as the Bible speaks of it, your will to sin, I think a lot of your flesh has been beat up pretty bad. I think you've put away a whole lot of things you shouldn't have been doing. I think we have, we have, we have uh, beat the flesh down. But, to God, but God said you have to mortify your flesh. Do we know what the word mortify means? Dead. Dead. Right? So beating that guy up and eliminating most of the things he does, that's not it. It's killing your flesh. So, so, so Saul here, he is rationalizing that, that I did most of what you said. And then this is really what I, this is what I read and what Saul, as he's rationalizing here, as he's giving his excuses, to, he first comes and tells Saul Samuel, he says, hey, we did everything you said. We, we're good. And, and Saul Samuel said, uh, why do I hear sheep? In the background. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that. Right? It's, it's kind of like, Pastor, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm in church every Sunday. I'm doing everything. I'm, oh, what about this? Oh, well, look at all this. I'm doing good. Uh, no. All of it's got to go. 
And guys, that's what I want you to see this morning. We can rationalize, and, and most of you sitting here this morning can probably look me straight in the eye, and with a very honest answer, you can say, Pastor, I have grown so much spiritually. I have come so far. If you'd have seen the old me, you'd be so proud of me. And Pastor, I've listened to so much of what you said, and, I, and I'm doing so great spiritually. But did you kill it all? Did you kill it all? Right? And that's how we're, I find, where we find Saul is. And then this is what I read into the text, that the, the excuses that um, Saul gives. What harm could this little bit that I left do? I killed an entire nation, except for a few things. I mean, really, Samuel, what harm could it do? I just wiped out a nation and kept a few things. What, what harm could that do? I mean, seriously. But see, God didn't say kill most of them. God said they all have to go. <clears throat> I want you guys, I want this to sink in. I want you guys to understand this. I'm not beating up on anybody. I want this to be a victorious Sunday. I want this to be a celebration Sunday, but I want you guys to get this right. Here's what Saul said. I obeyed God. Are there any Christians here that's ever said that? I obeyed God. I did what God said. Now there's this issue I haven't quite dealt with but I obeyed God. I, I, I obeyed everything I'm supposed to do. There is this one thing in my life. But come on, preacher, how much harm can that do? If you realize how much I'm reading my Bible, how much I'm working for the Lord, how much I go to church, how much I'm witnessing, all the great things I'm doing, what harm could that little sin do me? Is anybody getting this this morning? Are you getting this? Because I, I think that's where we are as a congregation. I think that we have killed a lot of what God said to kill, and we have, think we have obeyed, but there may be something lacking. <clears throat> Saul could have very easily said, we are better than most. We do a lot of bragging around here about Sand Hill, and I, and I, am, I, just, I, I just want to make sure the Lord knows that I am thankful for what he has given us here. And we can look in the mirror at other Christians. We can look in the mirror and look at other churches. And we can say, look at us compared to them. No, no, no. you got to compare yourself to God. And though we may be very blessed and though we may have moved greatly, don't ever get arrogant and say, we're so much farther ahead of those guys, it doesn't really matter. No. We have to, we have to get rid of all of the flesh in our life. <clears throat> Josh has been trying to teach us this, my Josh, has been trying to teach us this in Sunday school. We've been on it for a very, very, very long time. It, it came back to my mind again this morning. Josh made the comment, I, I think, about when he very first started teaching this lesson, which has been two years ago or something. And he said this, he said these words. He said, I don't know that I've ever yet uh, witnessed a Christian living the abundant life. Now that's a statement. That is a statement to say that. Because how I many of you know, if you've been in church for a long time, there are a lot of good Christian people that are really, really messed up. 
They're not living in victory. They're not living the abundant life. But here's, here's what I always go back to when Josh says that. There are a lot of people who think they're living in victory. Here's what Saul said. We won. We won. We did it. We're victorious. We, we won the battle. Come on, Samuel, let's party. Let's worship. Let's have a good church service. And Samuel said, but I hear some lambs bleeding. See, we often think I'm living victorious. We often think I'm, I've won the battle. We often think I'm doing great. We don't realize we didn't go all the way. We didn't go all the way. And here's the part of the story that really got me. The return. This is that reoccurring payment. After this story, Samuel died, or I mean, excuse me, Saul dies. Samuel dies too, but Saul dies. After this story, uh, David becomes king, and there's there's a lot of things that happen in between there, and, and on on on. But here's what we find: because Saul did not do what he was supposed to do, the Amalekites continue to be a problem. They continue to come back. They continue to just pop up and cause problems. Is anybody relating to what I'm saying? Am I, am I the only one here that has some things that in my life that just keep popping back up? I push it down, pops back up. I tell myself I got victory, pops back up. Right? David is out. He has his, his men, and they're living in Ziglag one day, and, and they leave the women and children there, and, and, and they go, and they fight a battle, and while they're out fighting, guess who shows up? The Amalekites. And guess what they did? Took everything he had. Stole his wives, stole his possessions, stole everything he had. Now David's got to go traipsing around, finding the Amalekites and fighting with the Amalekites again because they robbed him. Is, are there any Christians here who would just admit that their flesh, the things you've allowed to live, has been robbing you over and over and over and over and over again? It just keeps robbing you, and you'll keep pushing it down, but it comes back and it robs you. And David... The great man that he was, he went and he fought with the Amalekites. He was greatly outnumbered. They had stolen his stuff. Miraculously, the Lord helped him to get all of his stuff back. And he killed a bunch of the Amalekites and he won the victory. But here's what the Bible says. 400 young men got away. And I thought, it's just amazing how the Bible is such a picture of the Christian life, the Old Testament. Because I don't know if you're following or not. Samuel wouldn't take care of the, or Saul wouldn't take care of the problem. It came back on David. It kept coming back on Israel. David goes to take care of it, and he kills most of it, but 400 of them still got away. Guess what those 400 are going to do? They're going to come back. That, 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 it's a reoccurring theme in the Bible. They keep coming back. So there is a return uh, of the Amalekites that, 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 that we just keep dealing with. So listen, guys, is there anybody here who'd just like to get rid of the Amalekites? See, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. If we're real honest with all of the changes that we have made 
in all the ways we've grown spiritually, in all the things we can celebrate, here's what I know. Three years ago when Brother Sonny was here, there were some sins you were dealing with. You're still dealing with them today. And here's the news, guys. If you don't deal with it today, when Sonny comes back a year or two from now, you'll still be dealing with that same thing. It's just going to keep popping up. It's going to keep popping up. It's going to keep popping up. Why not put it to death this morning? See, I am thankful for all that I see going on, and I am thankful for all the things we don't have that we used to have, and I am thankful for, I'm thankful for a lot of things that I see. I know in my life there are things I could still do better on. There are parts of the flesh I could still destroy. And I'm guessing, you know, I can stand up here and I can start trying to name off, you know, all of your individual sins and try to hope I hit one of the ones. But here's, here's a better idea. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to do. Right now, if you're real honest in your life, if everybody here would be real honest with me, you, you can say I have grown leaps and bounds. You can say I've dealt with it. But you deep down in your heart, you know there's, there's one thing you've never let go of. You've never let go of. <clears throat> Renee carried around literally from the time she was saved until probably five, ten years ago, for 30 years, she carried around a temper, an anger. You know what she said? I'll live a great Christian life as long as I can hate people. I'm doing what God wants, right? And I'm doing everything else right except for that. Doesn't that make me a good Christian? I mean, I sing in the church. I read my Bible. I go to church. I pray. I do this. I do that. I'm doing all these things. And everything else the preacher has said, I do it. But not that. You guys go talk to Renee after church and ask her if she feels better since she killed that out. It's like living a new life, literally. See, for 30 years of being saved, there was complete defeat. There was complete misery. There was complete agony. Everything that happened in life was somebody else's fault. But we put that sin away, and now we can live in joy. Is anybody following me here? Now, maybe you don't have a temper problem. And I'm not going to stand up here and attempt to be the Holy Spirit, but I'm just guessing this. I'm guessing you know there's one thing that's not displeasing to God in your life. So I want to ask this question. I'm trying to help. I want this to be a celebration today, and I don't want this to, I don't want to beat you guys up. I just want you to open your eyes. How is the Holy Spirit going to bless you this week if you hold on to that one thing? How are you going to say, God, I want to get closer to you, just except for that one thing? How are you going to say, God, use me this week? I just want this one thing. And how different would this week be? See, I'm, I'm looking for a phenomenal revival. Is anybody alone? I'm looking for a phenomenal revival. I, I am excited where we are at. I am excited what is going to happen. I am excited at the end of the week we will say, wow, that was amazing. I am excited that our church will not be the same church next Sunday as it is this Sunday. Do you realize all of that could stem from if you let go of that one thing 
right now? Because if you don't, you probably will finish out Friday saying, I enjoyed Brother Sonny. Don't really feel like I got what I needed. So you got to let go of that one thing. Are you guys with me? And you say, Pastor, I hear everything you're saying. I even agree with what you're saying. And here's what some of you are sitting there listening. Here's what some of you are sitting there saying. I can't. Do you know how many years Renee told me, Gary, I can't. I can't. This is what she said. I'm not like you. I have to be like this. Is there anybody here that's bought into that lie? I have to be tore up all the time. I have to worry. I have to lust. I have to, whatever your sin is, I, Pastor, I can't help but be this way. Then you are calling God a liar and you do not believe his word. How you like that? Because God said, I'll take that away from you. If you really knew, I, I don't think this is the case. I'll just use this illustration. I don't think this, I hope, to, I hope that I missed this by a thousand miles. But if, if you're holding a grudge against somebody here in this church, and of course it's all their fault and you didn't do anything wrong. But if you're holding a grudge right now and you tell yourself, I can't get over that. How many of you know that if you come down here and say, God, take that away from me, he can make you get up and love that person to death? You say, no, that's not possible. Be careful. You're saying God can't do that. Now, you can put whatever sin you want to in there. We all have things we think we can't stop. But what if God said, if you give it to me, I'd take it away from you. I've done all I know to do. I feel like this is the message we needed to hear. I feel like it's the message you guys need to hear. We're getting ready to start revival tomorrow. Brother Sonny shows up. I think some of you could lay down that one thing and this could be a victorious week for you. And I think some of you will hold on to your sin that you've been holding on to and he won't be able to bless you this week. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.